Buyer's Mind podcast is sponsored by Homebridge Financial. Homebridge loan officers are experts in new home financing, bringing sales, ideas, strategies, market intelligence, and programs that help sell homes. To learn more, go to builder.homebridge.com. Homebridge Financial, home financing made easy. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore. Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome once again to The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore, and this is the podcast, normally audio, but now today doing it video as well. The podcast where we really try to understand what is going on in our customer's mind and how do we make sure that we're building our presentation to make it easy for people to do what they want to do anyway. And one of the things that we think about then is how salespeople get perceived by customers and our show producer paul murphy murphy some something of an outsider on this in the sense that you know, you're not directly in that sales world so you're out there when you think about how some customers perceive salespeople, do you think it's generally a positive perception a negative perception or a neutral perception if you're going to meet a salesperson for the first time what do you think i think it ends up being uh, either positive or neutral um, because obviously we're on the hunt for something and we need somebody to help us uh, do that. And so that's uh, where salespeople come in. But, um, you know, it could also be with a little bit of trepidation. So it could be neutral. Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's you know, the experience. It might be the, uh, you know, like I look at car sales and, you know, I've met some really excellent car sales people who are good and decent people. I've also seen the way that car sales gets portrayed in the media and movies and everything else. And uh, if you, if you sort of buy into that, even subconsciously, then you carry that into a car dealership and uh, it, it may not go so well. So there is this idea then of what are salespeople doing to make sure that if anybody carries that negative perception, that they can undo that. And everybody, if anyone is carrying a neutral or positive perception that they can carry that forward. And this is difficult because when we look at sales, you know, we like to think that it's all about what just happens face to face. I've got a customer standing in front of me right now. How am I doing in this conversation? And that's very, very important. But there's a deeper side to it. And that is what's happening in the mental prep. How well prepared are you for your sales presentation for the next call that you're going to make? And I wanted to have Ron Carr on because he talks about this extensively in his book, Lead Seller, Get Out of the Way, and really get into say, how do I make sure that every call counts, that every conversation is meaningful, both to me and to my customer? Let's listen to Ron Carr. All right. Well, we're thrilled to have on the buyer's mind, Ron Carr, speaker, author. He is the author of Lead, Sell, or Get Out of the Way. And you can get that Amazon.com. He's got a new book coming out, The Velocity Mindset. And you can learn all about Ron. Follow him, read his, read his blog, connect with him at roncarr.com, R-O-N-K-A-R-R.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Ron, thanks for being on the buyer's mind. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Jeff. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. Um, we've got the coasts covered. You're uh, in New Jersey, just outside of Manhattan. I'm out in California out here. Uh, but our worlds have been uh, very weird here recently. At the time that we're recording this, we're just starting to get the green lights. Of course, obviously, the New York metropolitan area massively hit. Are you starting to see any return to normalcy right now? 
it feels like we're getting unlocked a little bit, but still the road outside my complex is usually jammed at 7.30 in the morning and it's still empty. So yeah. I'll give you the visual. <laughs> yeah, really, exactly. You know, uh, people may be watching this or listening to this uh, a year from now, life's going to be really different. Uh, what do you think that we've learned as a result of business practices that were adopted very, very quickly in this time that are going to carry over? What do you think is going to last when all of the dust settles on this whole thing? So I think it's in the form of concepts. So the first concept is obviously pivoting. Another one that's really dear to my heart on a video that I shot for tomorrow is the concept of pausing. Now, um, my whole career has been, how do you sell faster? How do you close more? And it's not about uh, closing lines. It's about transforming yourself to having empathy and being more in your customer's world than your world of what you need to achieve. And, um, and so when we, we talk about pausing, um, one of the things that happened, well, COVID-19, for example, since we're talking about this, forced all of us to pause our lives, all mm -hmm. of us. And it was a very uncomfortable situation for many of us. Now, the good news out of it is that it gave us an opportunity to reassess what are we really fighting for? What do we really want to accomplish? Do our actions support it? And what changes do we want to make? All of us became very self-reflective, you know, during this period of time. And so what it did was it solidified to me why pausing is so important for a sales executive because one of the things I always teach is, you know, they, they're more task-oriented versus purpose-oriented. Let me make the call. Let me have the conversation. And eventually the numbers will play out. Well, you're wasting a lot of time there. You'll get more velocity if you pause before each call. Ask yourself, what is the goal? What's the outcome I want from this call? And do my planned action support that? And if you take that one little pause, you'll have a better call, you'll close the deal faster, and you'll have greater success in closing the deal. Because one of the things that we hear from a lot of the experts and a lot of the sales managers is pound, pound, pound. And, and you're suggesting this a little bit of strategy pause there will go a long way towards the quality. And I would think towards the enjoyment of the call by the time you're done. Yeah. And, and you know, if I was a sales manager still today or a VP of sales, I would shift my thinking from it's not... Numbers are important, don't get me wrong. You gotta be out there to play the game to get lucky. But mm -hmm. I'd rather have someone making six calls a day who's having better conversations and closing more than someone who's just going for the number of calls, which is 10. That second person is task-oriented where the first person is more purpose-oriented. You know, at the time that we're recording this, I'm I'm about six weeks away from uh, releasing my book on follow-up on sales follow-up, and and it is a constant theme in that book is the quality of the follow-up, and we think too often whether it's uh, the prospecting up front just to try and get an appointment, or what happens after you've made your presentation, they say not yet, and you're in that follow-up stage. Either way, uh, so often we do focus on numbers so much without asking what value do I bring, and I think you and I are the right mind and the, the the consistent mind that if you're not bringing in value you're not doing it right in the first place so yeah. that begs the question what do salespeople have to do what does that pause test look like in order to make sure that the call that they're about to make is going to be most valuable well so first of all we ask people what do you want to get out what's the outcome and i don't hear sales people say i want to educate the customer i go really that's the outcome I know so many salespeople that are giving their customers PhDs in what they do and still didn't get the deal. 
So that's a wrong outcome because it doesn't help you get the sale. Your job is, the goal should be, if it's the right time in the sales cycle, close it. If not, it should be to gain agreement on a path forward, if it's a qualified opportunity for you. That's the goal. So now the question becomes, what actions will help me figure out if it's a qualified opportunity and help the person on the other side of the desk agree we should move forward? When you have the right goal in mind, you're going to do the right things on the call. If the goal was to educate the customer, then all you're going to be doing is puking like I talk and lead sell get out of the way. And puke stands for people who are knowledge about everything. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose the interest. You know, Jeff, if I can share one thing, um, you know, we're sure. both doing this for a while and I've, I've taken the neuroscience a lot and uh, we talk about it a lot in our programs. And the reason we came out with lead sell get out of the way in the title was because in the 80s, when I took sales training, it was more about presenting. Internet wasn't out there. It was more about demoing the copy at the right time, the hand at the right spot of the machine at the right time. Now, they already know about your machine when they look at the internet. So if all you're doing is having the same conversation, you're losing them. So I asked the audience, how many of you can't wait for the next salesperson to come up to you when you want to buy something and say, all the features of which 90% you're not interested in, raise your hands. Not one hand goes up. But then when I asked them, now, if you have to make a big decision, how many of you would like to have some advice to ensure you're making the right decision? All the hands go up. That's what a leader does. So mm-hmm. the first transformation for your audience is stop looking at themselves as a salesperson, because that usually leads to a connotation and actions that don't work, like puking and talking, 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 and lead. Lead your customers, your clients, through a conversation that helps them get to where they want, builds a trust. So along those lines, when we call somebody up, whether it's I'm a financial advisor and I'm calling up a a referral that I got from somebody, um, if all I am doing on that call is being self-focused and telling you all the things that I think you wanna hear, I don't have engagement. Mm -hmm. But we didn't pause before that call. Because if you pause, you would have realized that I'm gonna be an interruption to that person. They're not expecting my call. Or if it's a follow-up call, even though they heard from me before, I'm still an interruption. What that means in neuroscience is the cortisol is out of whack. I want a flight, you know, I'm not ready to hear what you have to say. So if you don't realize that and accept it as a leader, that the first thing you have to do is create a safe environment for that prospect to want to talk to you, then you'll lose them. So when you realize and you take that pause and say, okay, I need to lower their cortisol so they're in a way that they want to talk to me. How do I do that? Transfer the conversation about them, not about me. If it's a follow-up, has anything changed since the last time we spoke? You know, in, in terms of your goal of wanting to handle your son's uh, daughter's uh, college education. Mm-hmm. That little pause is so powerful, but it creates so much velocity. While it may take a little time in the beginning to do it, in the sales cycle, you gain a lot of time because you'll be zeroing in on the right goals and the right actions to take. It, it's not just good advice in sales. It sounds like good advice in relationships of, of any kind uh, you, as, you, as you think about it, right? Any kind uh, is for it, leaders too, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Is it simply a matter of just that consciousness? I mean, would, would you would you like to see sales professionals just, you know, I'm going to take a post-it note here and I'm going to write pause on it. I'm going to put it up next to the video camera that I seem to be using a lot these days just as a reminder. Is it just something about forming a habit of pausing? 
Yes. So, I mean, think about this. Um, so if you're a leader, many times leaders get stressed out because they wonder why their actions are not given the return on the investment, right? And the reason is because often they get lost in battles that don't make sense to the ultimate goal that they're after. So if they pause before they go into a conversation with an employee and say, what is the goal here? They're going to gain more traps. I'll give you an example. One of my clients, uh, a production manager came in and said, oh my God. And he was really pissed off, so he cursed. I said, what's the problem? Guy's 15 minutes behind on the shop floor and all it does is be talking to cell phone. So what was the conversation? He goes, get off the damn cell phone. And what did the guy say? Mm -hmm. Why should I? Everybody else is on a cell phone. And then what happened? I walked away upset. How well did that help you, serve you? So I said, pause for a second. Is the issue really the cell phone? He goes, no, it's getting the job on time. So why are you talking about a cell phone? Talk about something that's important to the person. What does he want? What's his motivation? He wants to become a master welder. What do you need to do to become a master welder? Need quality, need on-time performance. Does he have the quality? He's the best. But his timing is not good, right? Right. So you go up to him, you say, hey, you know, fight the right battle. You want to be a master welder. You know you need quality and time. Your quality is perfect. You're 15 minutes behind here. What can we do to get you back on time so you stay on the track to a master welder? All of a sudden, the guy is opening up. It was a safe environment. And he starts contributing things that he could be doing differently. So what the example was, in the first conversation, he was fighting the wrong battle with cell phone. But when he went after the war, which is the ultimate thing he wanted, which was to get this guy to be cooperative and become more uh, time-based, if you will, he shifted it from his needs to the person's needs, from self-focused to customer-focused. That's what a pause can do for you. Let's talk about um, velocity mindset. This is a term that you have coined, that you own, and you've just now working on a book. It'll be out later this year. Uh, give us back get us back to the origin because when i have authors on the show I, and and having written several books myself i know that the that the story is inside you before you write it down so take us uh, back to before you even started to think about writing the book and the origin of the velocity mindset sure so um i, I was president of the national speakers association which was the pinnacle of your career and then after that my legs got taken out for me i had some back issues i had several back surgeries i was down for two years and when you're laying there in a hospital bed and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you don't even know if you can travel again and all this good stuff. And the good news is I'm traveling, I'm playing golf. Mm -hmm. So you start asking yourself, what's the purpose? You know, and I realized that I, I wasn't satisfied. You know, if my career ended today, I wouldn't be satisfied with the results because there's still a lot more I had to do. So I started getting in touch with myself and I'm saying, okay, so what do you wish you had? I said, my God, I wish I lived my life with more velocity. I wish I got accomplished more than what I did. Well, it wasn't about living with velocity. It was about getting trapped in the everyday self-induced barriers that prevent us from having velocity. For example, we all have stories in our minds, okay? So, you know, we may have grown up where the young child, maybe a parent said to you, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. So the moment you try to go out with a young lady in your adult life and they turn you down, you immediately say, the reason she turned me down is because I'm not good enough. That's your story. It may have nothing to do with what the reality is. So it's right. our assumptions that prevent us from moving forward with speed. It's our stories, it's our triggers. 
But the key thing is what I found myself doing up to that point, I was guilty like everybody else. And this is what COVID-19 has really helped everybody see. We've all been speeding along. We've all been on that hamster wheel going, going, going. And this has caused us to all pause and say, but wait a minute, am I happy with the speed that I was on? This is forcing us mm -hmm. to look at things a little bit differently. So velocity is not just speed. If that's all you think it is, you get burnout. Velocity is speed with direction. And are you going in the right direction that gives you the passion? Are you going in the right direction that gives your clients the passion? Yeah, I, I think we've both seen, uh, we've seen it with salespeople. We've probably seen it with sales leaders, I would think, Ron Moore, uh, where, you know, in, in uh, trying to remember the name of the author who wrote the book, Happier, but he talks about this rat race mentality where I'm going to just go full steam now in hopes that I'll find pleasure and meaning someday. But right now I'm just going to just go, 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 go. And the life gets dictated to him and the velocity, the, the, I'm sorry, the speed is there. Uh, but it's out of control. And the direction is sort of dictated to them. So they start feeling after a while, like, what is this all about? And of course, at that point, I would suggest that they're one step away from burnout. They just don't know it yet. Is, is, is that the end goal when you have speed without control? Oh, yeah. I mean, or not the end goal, but the end result. I mean, yeah. We, we do assessments, you know, and, and, and um, if you have a certain uh, matrix of results, it shows that, you're gonna burn out. Mm -hmm. In one case, we I very rarely see that page come up in the reports, maybe three times in 30 years of practice. In one case, it was a vice president of sales for a dental uh, machine company. And I went up to him and I said, hey, you know, um, talk to me, you know, I mean, seems like you're ready to burn out. You're being pulled in all different uh, positions, right? He goes, oh my God. Three weeks later, he went out and met up on leave of absence. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's real. Now, most of us are not even that lucky where we have that opportunity to reset. Most of right. us just keep going, going until we wind up at the end of a period where it's the end of the year and we don't make our numbers, whether it's at the end of our life, we're not happy with what we did and it's too late. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, the trick is pausing a look on a daily basis to make sure everything we're doing is helping us get to where we want to be. So one thing that you see is this, what you know, the word is hustle these days, right? It's like you got to out hustle, you got to outwork, you got to whatever. And people look at somebody like Gainer, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I have a lot of respect for, but Gary V is Gary V. They broke the mold. There's one guy. And for people to say, well, I want to be like Gary V. It was like, well, Gary V is busy being Gary V. You should probably be who you are. But after a while, I get a little bit weary of if you just, you know, a pound, they just must work another 10 hours a week and, you know, don't just sacrifice your life and you'll be successful. I struggle with that a little bit because so much of what salespeople need, sales professionals need is a, a creative energy, uh, a positive energy, and those things need some restoring here. So how do you find the balance between the drive to succeed and the need to still take care of yourself so you can succeed at your highest level? So it's a great question. It leads to multiple answers. First of all, Gary V is Gary V. I know him really well. Um, when we would go to chapters of the National Speakers Association as president, one thing I'd always say at the beginning of my uh, speeches is saying, look, the beauty about this business is any model can work for you if you're, if you're um, committed to it. Don't take my model as a model you have to use. Take what works out of my model that helps you with your model. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is that question, what does success look like to me? 
And it's not just in terms of sales, you know, and, and dollars. What does success look like for me in family life? What does success look like for me where I want to be? And then you have to ask yourself, are you actually supporting it? Now, in terms of taking care of ourselves physically, that is really important. Um, and I have stories in my life that will suggest that because at the end of the day, if we know it's not about us, we know it's about the client, and if the client can understand that we're there to help them, we will not have the capacity to help others if we're not in physical shape to do it. Mm-hmm. It means we have to clear our brain, we have to clear the stress, we have to clear the anger. So what you go to, is it walking, is it jogging? Maybe it's doing crossword puzzles, I don't care what it is. But if you don't make that a standard part of your operating procedures day in and day out, you can't stay sharp and you can't have sharp conversations on an ongoing basis with your clients. It's just not possible. You gotta take care of yourself. And it's funny because you mentioned about defining success, and I would venture to say that most people simply don't. They, they, if you ask them for their vision, their clear, concise uh, uh, vision that they can build their life around, it's probably not. That's probably the starting point right there. If you want to have the velocity mindset, it seems like you have to define what success looks like. Yes, and I'm one of those people, by the way. For years, I couldn't tell you what success would look like for me because mm-hmm. I was so busy building it. And when I forced myself to go through the pain of trying to figure it out and get in touch with myself and all that, it scared me a little bit. But it finally led to decisions that allowing me to do things faster, but more importantly, have more enjoyment in it. Right. So you yeah. shouldn't be stopped if you can't identify what success looks like. It means you haven't thought about it, and that's the time to start thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice from Ron Carr, author of uh, Lead Seller, Get Out of the Way. You can get it on Amazon.com. Coming up soon, The Velocity Mindset, and you can follow him on roncarr.com. Ron, before you go, we're going to put you on the hot seat. A few rapid-fire questions, rapid-fire answers. You ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Your very first job was what? Uh, My first job? It was uh, in retail because I couldn't get a sales position because they said I didn't have enough experience and I wanted to work in medical sales. And some of my greatest case studies as a professional speaker and consultant were in medical sales, so go figure. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Uh, an artist uh, from your youth uh, whose albums you listen to over and over again? Springsteen. Oh, yeah. Somehow I knew Springsteen was going to be near the top of your list right there. Uh, the most beautiful place you've ever stood? Oh, um Singapore and uh, Singapore. Love it. Okay. Uh, any book that you read in life that's made a profound impact throughout your life? The Road Less Traveled by Dr. Scott Peck. Scott Peck. That's beautiful. Opening words. Life is difficult. Uh, <laughs> a movie you've seen multiple times. Doesn't matter when it comes back on. You have to watch it. Now I'm so bad with names. Um, hmm. And I watched one the other night. I can't remember the name. Oh. Not All right, we'll, give you, we'll, we'll but, give you a pass, but you, but we're not going to give you a pass on this last one. Your first celebrity crush. J-Lo. Oh, okay. There, I, solid choice. You're off the hot seat. Ron Carr, thanks uh, for all you do. Uh, you're, you're making a difference. We appreciate it. Thanks for being on The Buyer's Mind. Thanks for all what you're doing, Jeff. There you have it. I, I just think that whole concept of the pause is really, really telling. And that pausing is about 
slowing down long enough to understand your strategy. And I know, you know, for me, I've been the victim, if you will, of salespeople who are calling without a strategy. They hadn't thought through the strategy. It just means they're supposed to make the call. But it seems just like that little bit of call, or I'm sorry, that little bit of pause could make a big difference in the quality of the interaction. Murph, I'm going to assume that resonated well with you. Does. You know, I think if you're moving a little too fast for your customer, uh, you know, or you're you're not uh, coming on point with a, a strategy, as you point out, you know, uh, what direction are you going? I don't know what direction you're going. How am I supposed to know? Uh, and so I need I need that trusted advisor person who's going to point me in the right direction. Right. And I do want to recommend to all the sales professionals right now, actually just about anybody who would be listening, that idea of pause, even the very brief pause uh, before you make your next call to think through your strategy. I've actually heard that as a good listening technique. Somebody says something before you jump right in and finish their sentence, even that half a second beat right there to let it all sink in can dramatically improve not just your listening, but your level of understanding and then your level of retention. So that word pause is uh, pervasive. It could help us in a lot of different ways. Um, But then we talked about this whole idea of the velocity mindset. And I just love this conversation because, you know, we see this happen. There's this, we live in this world where we've got people out there like, just work your butt off and you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And, you know, I suppose there's a mindset of people that can do that or an effective ad and actually want to do that. Uh, it's not me. Murph, is it you? It, it is not me. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, I've got a wife, I've got kids, uh, you know, I, I've got things that are on my mind as well. So uh, outside of business. And so if, if you're just push, 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 where does, where does everything of life fit in? Yeah, right. You know, John Lennon once said, life is what happens while you're making other plans. And this is what happens. We're just, you know, booming and booming and booming. And there's just never that time. And what about living the life right now? And I would just say that's not a selfish thing, because while I do want to work hard and I want to dive into my work, I also want to enjoy my life, but not specifically or exclusively for selfish reasons. I feel like I am better. I'm a better speaker. I'm a better instructor. I'm, I'm, I'm a better business leader when I am refreshed, when I am um, in a good positive frame of mind because I'm taking care of myself. And look, I, I think, listen, for those of you who are watching on video, you're going to see the look on Murph's face here in just a moment. When I get stressed out, it's pretty difficult. I don't, I'm not good at hiding that. When I get stressed out, people know it. And uh, I'm not my best leader. I'm not in my best leadership position. Well, if you're listening right now and you're a salesperson, you're the same way. When you get stressed out, the people who are there to follow you, your customers, they know it. They know it. They sense that. So, yes, we want to move fast, but we want to move fast with control. We want to move fast with direction. We want to move fast with quality. What does that look like? And it's a great way not just to get the sale, but to live our lives. Uh, This is such an important conversation, I think, for salespeople, because we're always looking at it and asking ourselves, what does that speed equation mean? In fact, when I wrote follow up and close the sale, there's a whole chapter on speed and how important speed is. But it's strategic speed that really, really counts. And I want to encourage you along those lines. 
thinking, how do I make sure that I'm thinking strategically about the speed? That's the idea. As always, thanks for listening to The Buyer's Mind and today watching it as well. For those of you who are viewing it, always appreciate that. Until next time, go out there and change someone's world. 